We're good. It's on my oh, intro. I'm so nervous about oh, these geez. photos. These photos are killing she's me. She's like standing there taking just pictures. Just taking of pictures of us. God. Like, I don't understand. Oh. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. I'm getting stage I'm fright. I'm like, mm. I'm a performer and I'm getting stage fright. <laughs> like, how can I sit really okay. still but also not? <laughs> <laughs> Does this look natural? Not at all. <laughs> Is this how I look? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, shit. How do I act? <clears throat> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're good. We're good. Are we good? We're so good that I'm going to say hi and welcome to Shh, We're Reading Dirty Books. This is Selah. And this is Kalina. And um, welcome to the uh, fancy schnazzy uh, late night talk show about uh, dirty books. Yeah, apparently. Uh, <laughs> that's what we do now. <laughs> We're taking it in a new direction, That's people. what we're doing. TV. <laughs> no. Never. Oh, my God. Let's no. do it. Remember my um, old neighbor who said we needed to do this on YouTube? Yes. <laughs> and I was like, you're you know, insane. <laughs> you know how many people have told me that? Well, insane people, that's you who. You know how many times I've told you that? <laughs> <laughs> that you won't do it. No. Just who no. wants to see people just sit and talk to each other? You know how many people do? <laughs> <laughs> well... Sorry. <laughs> I like podcasts better. Because then you can, like, listen and when you can't see things. That's hard. Oh, Whereas videos, like, now you're tied to your phone or your TV. It's going to happen one day. <sighs> Don't lie to me. One day. Don't scare me out of this. <laughs> anyway, okay. I have a quickie for you. Oh, yes. Quickie me up. You can only wear one color for the rest of your life. What color is it? Duh. No. Like you and I both. <laughs> We're both wearing it right now. <laughs> well, I'm wearing gray pants, but black. Black. Of course it's black. Obviously. I know. <laughs> and it's like 500 degrees outside, but I'm still wearing black. Every time. Every time. <laughs> when we were, like, every time we go up to Saratoga, I'm always in, like, a full-length black sleeve shirt mm-hmm. and black pants. And Patrick's like, it's really hot in the car. And I'm like, I know. And he's like, why are you wearing that? And I'm like, it's what I wear. It's what. It's my whole wardrobe. <laughs> I, I like it's not. You but. should. Because I've pared my wardrobe down because we're trying to sell the condo. So my closet's very nice and clean. And it mm-hmm. is literally all black. And I was like, because I took everything I don't wear out, which is the color. <laughs> and I looked at my closet and I was like, oh, dear. Like, I was like, oh, there's one white shirt. It's a little morbid in here. It is solid black. And I was like, well, that says something. I don't know. I've been trying to wear different colors, too. A lot of people say bright colors look good on me, and I just can't do it. Well, apparently, apparently it makes you happy, too. They say that if you're, like, dealing with, you know, like, you're not feeling all that good emotionally, that try wearing colors because it can actually improve your mood. And I was like, bullshit. Black makes me perfectly happy. I have no need to wear pink for anything. <laughs> That's not going to make me uh, happier. I guess that makes sense, but also yeah, it Yeah, I mean, color has a strong impact on people, but well, I, really, I knew we would both answer that question the same, but I just thought it was a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. All right. So we should also mention news. Yeah, news we should have mentioned like two episodes, two episodes ago. ago that we <laughs> that forgot we to say anything about. You guys might have noticed that there's no extra voice occasionally popping in the background. Well, Johnny has moved on from uh, the library and mm-hmm. gotten a new job, so we wish him all the best. Yep. But that uh, that's why you don't hear him anymore. He's yep. not here. That's why he's not making noises in the background and mumbling. <laughs> commenting off mic. <laughs> you can't really hear. <laughs> yes. That then sends us into laughter that right. you don't understand. 
So that's gone. <laughs> yeah. Or me objectifying anybody. So that's it's, true. Um, but We've we definitely toned that down now. <laughs> but we have the library staff here, and we have Jack, and this is the second time we've had Jack, Yay! so thank you, Jack. Hello. And um, we also have my cousin Judy. You guys remember her from way long ago. Remember a couple be, episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, a while ago. And she's just creeping us out <laughs> she's photo stalking us she's I guess. totally photo stalking us i'm like clicking my pen because i'm nervous she's taking pictures of us but um All we're, right. we're trying to do the the thing professional that's thing it. that's the word someday <laughs> all right so should we get to the episode let's do this what did we read we read the night circus by aaron morgenstern and we both read and listened to yes. the audiobook <laughs> and then that one was read by jim dale yeah who is oh the best. Uh, so Kalina is going to get you into these magical clits notes. <laughs> I don't even know how to clits notes this book. This book can't be clits notes. <laughs> but suffice it to say, the basically it's the best book ever. Ever. Secondly, it's about two young people, Marcos and Celia, who are trained by older we'll say magicians. There's a lot of talk in the book as to what they do. Is it really magic or is it just manipulation of the world, you know, that anyone could do with any training. But either way, they are pitted against each other in some kind of uh, test to see which training method is superior. I'm so sorry. Keep going. I okay. burped. I know. I, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> That's okay. So... Um, Without knowing each other or really even knowing the rules of this weird game that they were both bonded into at young ages, like five or six, they have to put on like a exhibition of their skills, their magical skills, and it takes place in a circus that, that is built. It's called the Night Circus because it's only open from dusk to dawn. And it's just this really amazing magical place full of like just black and white and shades of gray and, you know, spectacular acts and acrobats and fire eaters and contortionists. And then also just like magical tents full of snow and and ice and and fire Fire. and stuff. So over the course of years, and it's kind of told in like two different timelines kind of converging because over the course of the book, they circle around each other until they realize like who they are, that they are each other's opponent, but they also like just they're entangled in a way that's so much bigger than anything either one of them had expected or mm-hmm. even that their tutors had planned for. And so by the end of it, they're just in love and they can't finish this game because it's meant to kill one of them. Yeah. It's meant to go until one cannot continue. Mm-hmm. And that's very upsetting for them. And they just love each other and they don't want to end it that way. And so then, you know, through a lot of interesting magic properties they kind of end the game in a weird sideways yeah and they they end it by being together in a different kind of realm realm. they're still in this world but they take themselves out of the world and are like shadowy (laughs) to the world so yeah it's just about so that's what it's so much more than that but that's the (laughs) and then bailey and, and all of that and he saves the circus so the circus gets to continue even after they have kind of taken their pieces off the board yeah so and this book doesn't typically follow the tropes that we have been talking about in the past. Yeah. It is a paranormal romance. This book is all about love. It's the most beautiful love story. It's so fantastic. I've ever read. It's just, it's so, (laughs) I'm tearing up just thinking about it. It's so beautifully written. (sighs) I can't, this one's going to be hard to do because we love this book so much. Well, and we are, we should mention, like, we're doing this special 
we knew it wouldn't 100% fit what our standard episodes are. We mm-hmm. knew it wasn't exactly a dirty book. Right. But it is a romance. It is definitely a romance. And the world they live in has this magic in it that is not It's not normal. normal. So hence paranormal. Mm-hmm. So it does fit. But we wanted to do it specifically because this is a little bit of an older book. It came out in 2011, and it was a masterful from the minute it came out. Like, I loved it. For, I read it the year it came out and was in love with it from then on. I reread it periodically. Mm-hmm. I have the audiobook. Like I said, we both listened and read it for this episode again. But we wanted to do this specifically for this week because Erin's second book, not it's not part of a series or anything, but she just didn't write another book until just now. Like November is when her second book, Starless Sea, came out. So we're really excited to have another Erin Morgenstern book to read. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So we wanted to preface that with her first book, which was so epic, and then we'll at some point get to the next one. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. did this kind of as an honor to her because she... We just, this book's so amazing. Yeah. And we wanted to tell you guys about it in case you missed it somehow. <laughs> Which, in case you couldn't how tell. <laughs> did you miss this book? <laughs> well, you gave me this book mm-hmm. and I, you, you let me borrow it. And then a couple years later, you're like, I have it on audio now. And then I like ignored everybody I lived with and listened to it forever. <laughs> so I think I want to start off by saying that the dynamics between the audiobook and the reading, while obviously it is different. There's something much more, like, I don't know, it, I feel like it separates itself a lot more. And it's not like you're listening to two separate books. You know that you're listening to it. But for me, reading it, it's just, it brings me into it so much more. Mm-hmm. There are parts of this book where I know exactly what's going to happen, but I hesitate. Like, it's so magical to me that I'm afraid that it's going to change in the middle of it. Every time I read Every it. Every single time. I'm like, what if this doesn't go the right <laughs> way? It's like one particular part <laughs> in the book where I'm like, oh my God, it's not going to happen this time. I mean, duh, it happens, but. But it's that's how intense it is. It, and that's I, how intense I it is. I agree with you. I think that it, I love my audiobooks, mm-hmm. but there is something where I usually multitask when I am listening to them. I don't ever just sit there with my headphones on listening. I am doing work at work or I'm driving or I'm cleaning house. I'm doing something while I'm listening to them. And there is an inherent lack of attention then, or like, or just as you're not paying 100% attention mm-hmm. to the book because you're multitasking. Right. But when you sit down and actually read, Unless you're super special and doing some other thing <laughs> while you're reading. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> but that's a much more like focused attention that is given to a piece of material like a book if it's just being read because you, you're not really doing much else. Maybe listening to music, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. So you do. So like this book, which is one of those books that can really suck you in yeah. in such a strong way. By reading it, you're getting that extra layer. You're in extra deep, whereas mm-hmm. there is always that ability when listening to just divide your attention. Yeah. Which this book deserves you not to do Absolutely. that. <laughs> well, this book actually gave me a little bit of like a more realization of how I read when I get into a book. Mm-hmm. And I actually understand why I miss lots of parts of like the books that we read mm-hmm. or listen to. And I think it's because I find myself almost falling too much into the characters and into the books that I start creating my own story <laughs> inside my head. I continue to read, but then I miss out on what it is because my head is daydreaming about a different scene okay. that should mm-hmm. not be happening. Mm-hmm. So then 
then I'm, I'm doing it with this book also. And I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. Now I know exactly why Kalina has to retell <laughs> the books to me. Because I'm not paying attention. Because I'm, I'm, I'm literally creating my own stories with these characters. Yeah. And these characters are all so beautiful. But I, with this one, at least, I go back and I read what I just missed. And there's things that you would listen to Jim tell you. <laughs> and it's great and it's beautiful. But then you read it and you read her writing. And it's the Ugh. most eloquent, like, beautiful. It's... The pace of it is slow. You have to it read is. it. It's a bigger book. Eloquently, and it's there's so much love and thought poured into her words. Mm-hmm. And and this, I can see how the structure can trip someone up a mm-hmm. bit in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The timing because and stuff. there's two different timelines that are happening, mm-hmm. and you're getting different. You're like starting with a different character in the second one, and then there's also the writing pieces that are in between the interstitials yep. that are like um, somebody telling you about the circus, yes. like the experience of going into the circus. They're supposed to be. You meet this character later. It's um, Hertisen who is mm-hmm. the clockmaker who then becomes the leader of the Rivers, which mm-hmm. is a group of people who love the circus so much that they follow them like around. they follow it around. They wear special colors Scars. when they attend the circus mm-hmm. to kind of identify themselves as like they're usually the ones that stay all night all the way into the you know closing hours. Mm-hmm. Other people just kind of come and go. So he starts writing about the circus and how much it means to him and how much he loves it and, and kind of creates this community, a fandom, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> like we yeah. all know from the Internet now. Mm-hmm. Of people who love the circus as much as him. And so parts of the book, there's these little interstitial bits that are like his writing telling you what the experience of walking through the circus. So sometimes you're going back and forth between three things and at different times. So I can see how at the beginning, especially, you're just like, okay, where am I now? Mm -hmm. But eventually you just get into it and then they become whole pieces themselves and you just know it's easy to go between them, especially once you've read the book five times. Well, yeah. (laughs) And you're like, I got gone through it. It's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, and and the way that she structured this book also was like it's not just it is a flowing book there are two different timelines to it you start to pick up on it and everything but each chapter is a different person that's speaking so you've got Bailey and you've got the twins and you've got Celia, Marco, Erdison and you know all of these different people so I could see where it can get a little convoluted for some people mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like it flows so beautifully. Yeah. I mean it's really it's yeah. so good. It's <laughs> it really I is love so this good. Book so much. I want this world to be real so badly. Me too. Like oh the so, images yeah. from it are just outstanding. This is why I get lost in it so much because I picture myself there and I want to be there so I badly. Be at the circus so <laughs> badly with everything that's happening with everyone. So should we talk about some of the characters? Sure. So there's obviously a plethora of characters. <laughs> uh, oh, I was about to say Aaron. It's not Aaron. Celia and Margo are the two main characters in this mm-hmm. book. And obviously the love story is about them. But there are other characters that mold the book. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how to jump into this. I don't know. I don't either. This it's is so kind of crazy. It's, it's so different than what we've been I, doing in the I, past. So to kind of give them context, Celia, her father is Hector Bowen, and he's a magician who trained with this other character named, sometimes named Alexander, sometimes just named A.H. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't really have much of a name. And apparently they... Once he was fully trained in the magic or the manipulation or the illusion, whatever term they tend to use for this type of experience, he didn't think that Alexander's system mm-hmm. was the best way to teach it. He thought he had a better idea. Yeah. And so he started training, like they, they debated it a lot. And then Alexander was like, there's no debate until you can use your ideas to actually train someone. Right. So he started, you know, finding people and training them as well. And then they'd pit their students against 
each other. Yes. And they've been doing it for what feels like a long time, hundreds of years. 500 years. years. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure how many, but lots and lots of years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, every time it happens, somebody tends to die Someone and whatever. And I don't know that they're actually achieving anything with this goal. But Hector finds out he has a daughter. His, this lady sends him his kid and is like, I'm done, and takes her life. And then mm-hmm. he has to raise Celia. And she has natural talent because even at five, she shatters this teacup right when the first time he meets mm-hmm. her. And so he decides that he's going to train her his way and pit her against one of Alexander's students. Now, his methods are terrible. He's a terrible <laughs> dad. Had, as a person, He's if I was bad person. To, to pick one of the methods, just from reading this book, I would say inherently Alexander's methods are better. Because <laughs> his method is to basically, like, cut her fingers open and make her fix them. Yeah. Or break her doll and make her fix it. He, he breaks her down emotionally and... Slap. Yeah, like, yeah. shatter her wrist mm-hmm. and make her fix it. Like, mm-hmm. he just doesn't... It's not so much training as, like throwing you into the pool and if you drown right. you die you know? <laughs> right like, right you know yeah it's terrible so he's and he's a terrible father he's horrible to her and so she, her life is really sad for most of the time and on the other hand we have alexander who goes and picks up marco out of a orphanage and starts training him but in a different way where he has to read and like write and mentally practice mm-hmm. all of these skills without actually utilizing them until he's older and knows how or mm-hmm. something i don't know it, it, we, I, I, he that doesn't one's practice hard. as much he no. never had it and he never really had an opportunity to showboat as no much as, um, well and it didn't even feel like alexander actually trained him no it was just kind of like, like here's some books here's a flat <laughs> You stay here, draw runes and symbols, and... Yeah, read these things, and uh, eventually you'll figure it out. So I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> At the end of the day, it really feels like two jerky, selfish people <laughs> are, like, ruining other people's lives for no reason. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Without solving anything. And it's like, why don't you two just fight until yeah. one of you is dead? <laughs> I mean, Prospero is technically almost... I mean, he, is, he yeah. says he's dead, but he's, like, disappeared. Heck, yeah, Hector, or Celia's father, Hector, going to loots himself into basically an incorporeal being by yeah. the end of the book and he just floats around and is annoying yeah. and, and <laughs> like talks in people's ears and causes chaos and people die because of him. Yeah. So, so you can see both of them grow up in really challenging ways but differently. Mm-hmm. Like Celia at least was with her father. He's not nice and they're loving but it felt like Alexander was distant and not mm-hmm. around. So Marco grew up alone. Mm-hmm. Celia grew up abused and they're both broken people who then are thrown into combat with each other right. in a way. Yeah. And then so we kind of get to learn how they become full people. And it turns out I think Celia is a more successful person than Marco. <laughs> well, okay, so Marco gets a chance to go off on his own. So he gets this flat. Is it in London at first? Yeah. And and that's where Alexander or A.H. puts him and he puts him up in this flat. And so he's just in this place with a bunch of books and he's by himself. Then he meets Isabel, mm-hmm. who turns out being a tarot card reader or a fortune teller, I think, at the circus. Both things, yeah. She just becomes like this tie between him and the circus. Once you guys get into the book, you'll understand that whole relationship because Marco can't actually be at the circus while he's still competing and putting in his magic 
into the circus, he can't actually be there. And so he finds Isabel and seemingly falls in love with her, or maybe not, maybe just out of convenience. I'm yeah. not quite sure how he, f- like, we know he loves Celia, but did he ever no. love Isabel? No. You don't think so? No, and he even said at the end he didn't. He well, thought he could oh, after okay. everything was over. Okay. He thought once it was over, he could maybe, f- because he didn't understand how it was going to end, mm-hmm. right? So he just figured, I don't love her now because I have this challenge hanging over my head, but maybe once the challenge is gone, I'll love her. But really, he was just lonely, and she became a friend. Well, you know, obviously more than a friend. Yeah. But that's the hard, like, that's one of the hardest bits of the book because she is in love She's with Marco in love with and she wants to do anything to mm-hmm. help him so she that's how, why she ends up at the circus because once it becomes obvious that that's going to be the venue mm-hmm. and Celia is going to travel with them because she's the illusionist and so she has her own tent and is going to travel with the circus whereas Marco is the assistant to Chandras who is the proprietor of the mm-hmm. circus and he has to stay in London with Chandras and assist him he can't just travel the world with the circus although I feel as if he totally could have just made that happen if he really wanted to. <laughs> well, as much as mind-boggling that he did Chandrish, then he could have done it. it like, why can't fine. you do whatever you want? It's fucking magic. Yeah, you're just, just tell him you're going to join the circus as the strong man or something <laughs> and then do it. Yeah. So he, you know, his Alexander tells him that when the challenge starts, he shouldn't be distracted by Isabel. And so he's like, when it starts, you have to leave me. I can't, you know, have you in, living with me in the yeah. flat and being around because I need to focus on the, on mm-hmm. the challenge. So she's like, well, if I can't be here anyway, let me go to the circus and I'll keep you abreast of everything that happens. You know, I'll let you know what's going on. Because they knew from the beginning that Celia was his opponent. Because when she shows up to audition for the illusionist, she does magic. And he's like, oh, that's fucking magic. I know who it is. Yeah. That's who my opponent is. All this other is not real. Mm -hmm. She didn't know about him. But she doesn't find out until years later. So, yeah, for years, Isabel keeps, you know, writing to him letters and telling him what's going on. And he doesn't, like, when he even shows up at the circus, he doesn't even talk to her. <laughs> he ignores her at the events when they're all together. And it's just, it's really heartbreaking because yeah. she she stays for so long. She does. And Isabel has her own story too. Like she's been battered in the past and just has a really hard, sh- you know, like hardship and how she got to where she was in London. So it was really hard for us to listen to Marco, who you want to like. And I still like, I like Marco a lot. But by the way, he treated Isabel was really hard to swallow. Um, yeah, especially he, how it all fell out in he the end. Pretty much, as he, soon as he saw Celia, he like knew yeah. that he had a ridiculous attraction to her. Yeah. And then, in each subsequent meeting, it grew and he grew. Fell for her more and more. And like the first interaction where they're at the mansion and he's showing her around, and they like touch for the first time and shake the house, like the electricity goes wild and hairwire, and there's that spark between them. That is at the very minimum when he needed to tell Isabel yes. this is done. Because <laughs> and he waits like five more years. That was <laughs> the most beautiful. Oh, God. Oh, well, like, that scene. It's not like a, there's, what is oh, it? God. I love that scene it's so like fucking you much. You could see and feel the emotions. The electricity between you them is palpable and yes. jumps off of the page <clears throat> into your heart <clears throat> and mm-hmm. sh- shakes you to the core. You really start to feel it, it deep is down the inside. most, like, you can just, there's no other option for these two characters besides no. each other. Right. And you understand, like, and, uh, you know, obviously that puts him in a tough place, so I sure. get it too. But just the way that scene is written, because that whole interaction, they're not... 
are like you're you know, falling they're, they're in like, love in this scene. It's like a black hole. It is. I don't know that sounds crazy, but <laughs> or like a whirlpool in which they start off the evening at a further distance and they're just circling each other. I know mm-hmm. that all of the hand motions that I'm doing are not <laughs> translating to the podcast, but you guys understand. So they're, they're like circling each other, and then as the evening progresses, they get closer and closer and closer until they're just like sucked in down the into the very you know vortex mm-hmm. of that whirlpool yeah. of love and romance. <laughs> And beautiful things. The interaction that they have together, their dialogue, just everything, it pulls you in so beautifully. It's probably the one of the most intense scenes. Oh, and it's more intense so than good. even like the sex scenes in our other books. Well, I swear sure. to God, like this scene, I was just like crying because and this, shaking. This gets you <laughs> my here. Heart hurts. It gets your heart. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh my God. Yeah, whatever happens down there is great when we're listening to everything else. <laughs> but when you're reading this scene, oh God, these few so pages, it tears at you so beautifully. And, and I don't mean Tara as like in a like a bad way, but it just like get, it oh, guts it does. You. It's right under your skin That's and into beautiful. yeah. It's so good. It's so, my favorite like yeah interaction between any two characters ever. It, it is. It's absolutely. Like, I go back to that scene frequently yes. because it's so perfectly written. Yes, this whole. <laughs> I just don't know how you even evoke those emotions in just words. It's, no. I don't understand how it is, and I've read it a hundred times. I don't know how it's she does so it. So good. I don't know how she does it. But yeah. So even though I'm saying all these things like about Marco and I don't like how he treated Isabel, it's really hard. And Isabel just is broken by the end. I mean, she puts herself back together. She does. I will say this, though. Hmm. So she's a fortune teller. She she reads the tarot cards and stuff. She knew from the beginning that this was going to happen also. And while I know that that's not an excuse for how Marco was treating her, she did see it in the cards, maybe not she bluntly. Saw, I, I she saw another argue. woman. He stood in the middle of two women. He never let her read for him. She did it secretly. No, but there's a difference in reading when a person, like, cuts the cards and, and gives you the cards. That's reading for him. Okay. Like, but he never let her do that. Mm. So she would read for herself. I see. And ask them about Marco. Okay. And that was, it was there, but it was also, I think it was more subtle. I think it was there, but it was also, like, a lot of emotions and, and struggle and, and turmoil. So she couldn't clearly see okay. that it was 100% going to come out one way. Sure. And you have to keep in mind that she before meeting him she didn't read for anyone else even before the circus she didn't read for anyone else she only ever read for herself so uh, there's a learning curve (laughs) I would imagine (laughs) to the tarot and no I don't know I mean could she and she does admit at the end she's like I waited so long Mm -hmm. knowing that this probably wasn't gonna work and I just was willing to keep putting in the hours and like the days and the years so yeah you can say that she had a hand in it but I don't know she She was so convinced that he was in love with her and he never said it and I think he just could have ended it earlier. Or he been should more have ended honest. it earlier. I don't know. And I don't want to say that he's a bad character because I don't think he is. I think he's, like I said, he's a flawed person. He had a, you know, this is a very different, you're not supposed to grow up like that. No. That's not a a healthy way to to raise a child the way he was raised. So it's not a surprise. And also, like, it's inevitable. They're bonded to each other from, like, with this magical bond. They Mm -hmm. both are wearing the other one's rings Mm -hmm. that are scars on their hands yeah. forever and it's like obviously these characters are gonna fall in love and yeah well even we do learn that you know in all the in the past challenges too at least in the most recent past challenge the characters fell in love they there too. Love too the the combatants fell in love but in that one, of one. Them died and one of them took herself out of the picture too she loved her and the other one and just to end the challenge because mm-hmm. you can't go on any longer so i almost feel as if for as smart and as old as alexander and hector are they're also incredibly dumb and naive 
naive. And sadists. <laughs> well, they're definitely sadistic, but <laughs> they they keep making the same mistake. They keep going, why do these characters keep falling in love? Right. Well, you're binding them together. Mm-hmm. You're kind of giving them no other choice. Right, right. And then you're throwing them into this, you know, combat, and mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. He's not, no, Marco's not bad, but I can't, well, he's well-written because of his flaws. Yeah. You know, if he was perfect, then this probably wouldn't have been in his interesting <laughs> a book. <laughs> It would have been like, oh, perfect, <laughs> met perfect, and found right. love. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't. He had issues. Yeah. Speaking of the other challenger. Yes. Sukiko. Yes. Who is. That was the previous challenge, or the previous, the previous, one of the previous battles. She's the victor. And the other opponent. Yes. Her opponent had killed herself so that she could save Sukiko. Su- su- <laughs> yes. So Tsukiko is a contortionist who obviously does stuff for the circus. And when you read her character, she's so, I feel like she's probably the most, for me at least, the most secretive character in the whole book, even more than A.H. Alexander? Yeah, because you do discover a little bit more about him when he starts to explain a little bit more about himself towards the end. It's like the last chapter. Yeah, the very, very, (laughs) yeah, towards the very, very end. But, Literally the last. But thing then you that they start say. to understand why he really isn't like his humanity is almost gone. Like he's oh, been it's completely gone. Alive for so long. That's all you need to understand about him. But Sukiko. This is like, why immortality is bad. <laughs> <laughs> you become detached from yeah. humans. You do. You start to dehumanize. <laughs> but um, I don't know. How do you feel about her? Because I feel ve- I have very varying degrees of how I feel about her. I liked her at first, and then I hated her. But then I liked her again, and then I s- still find myself. Hating her, and well, also, do you know who's who did she belong to? And I'm quote unquote Alexander. Blonde. She okay. She shared the same. Um, she she and Marco shared the same tutor. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah, because that's why at the very like towards the end, Celia takes Marco's book and is asks Sukiko to help her understand it because it's a different system than she learned. Got it. So she thought maybe Sukiko would help her that's learn right. the book and she'd be able to save the circus and take them both out of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that she's more like a chaotic neutral. Okay. Uh, she. Was interested. I mean, she just lived through her own challenge by these two guys and was probably pretty bitter and upset about how it ended because, mm-hmm. you know, the person she was in love with took herself out. And it did seem like we get a little bit of the backstory in that her element had always been water. Mm-hmm. But after her opponent set herself on fire, you can tell, like, whenever Tsukiko walks through, like, rain, it just boils off her. She's, bo- like, basically she is a constantly steaming, steaming person. Mm-hmm. She's smoke like, she's always smoking, but I also think sometimes when they talk about her smoke, she's not actually, she doesn't actually have a cigarette. She's, right. like, breathing fire she's, like, almost. She's, just has fumes so, coming I mean, off of her. So these challenges transform everyone, even the victors, and they're not the same afterwards. So what, like, what more are you going to do with your, like, you know, obviously they have kind of an extended life period once you know magic, because that challenge took place like a you know a century ago and she still seems to be like you know 30 something or whatever Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. 40s well she's asian and we age well that's true just saying but i still don't think you're 140 (laughs) (laughs) so so she naturally like finds out there's going to be another challenge and is like i'm want to peek in on it and see what's going like mm-hmm. see what they're doing and it's this really interesting venue hers was a tea garden so mm-hmm. it seemed much more quiet and private and like less exposed whereas this is going to be a traveling circus yeah. that hundreds of people are going to first work and live in and then mm-hmm. more on top of that are going to visit it she's intrigued and wants to stay around it because also what else do you do when you have magic and are almost immortal <laughs> but I think she has I mean 
she made the promise to not reveal herself because, you know, obviously A.H. and Hector knew who she was and didn't want her interfering in the new challenge. So she promised not to say anything. And then as she fell in love with the circus, she became concerned for their ability to hold this all together once it fell apart, you know. Yeah. And there was also some element about her staying connected still to her opponent, too, through the circus, wasn't there? No, I Did I read into that differently? I think you read that in. Okay. That's okay. That would have been beautiful. (laughs) Would have been. It would have been. And a flaw. But, uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think you're not meant to like or dislike her. Okay. Because she isn't there to save the day or destroy the day. She's right. really, at the end, she has to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And she does what she thinks is right. And it's all these, like, the whole book hinges on these matters of timing. You know? Yeah. If Alexander hadn't tried to go and meet, uh, or not Alexander, if Marco hadn't tried to go and meet Alexander for tea that one day, he wouldn't have lost his book. And Isabel, if her train hadn't been late, she wouldn't have found his book and they wouldn't have met. And all of that wouldn't have happened. If Bailey had shown up earlier, they could have saved it before it blew Mm -hmm. up. I mean, all kinds of things probably could have happened out differently just by like small timing, you know, and that's what that's kind of the role she plays. She's like, I can't control time. Right. Like with all this magic and everything that they have, they still don't have 100 percent power. You know, they're not, you know, the other word that I was trying to (laughs) omnipotent. They're not omnipotent. So there's still things that's beyond their control. And time is one of those factors. And you just you have to play by the time as it goes. So I don't think she meant to be bad or good. Okay. I think that's a great explanation of it. I mean, in the end, she was able to help, I guess, usher what happens in the end with uh, Marco and Celia. And they, while they're not alive, they are still together in this other, I mean, in our world. Well, and they would argue, I think, that they're alive. I guess that's true. I mean, Bailey, uh, not Bailey, um, Widget argues it to Alexander. And Marco was able to give Bailey, was it the lighter? What did he give him to light the, the fire? Well, Sukiko gives him the lighter. Some, Bailey. Oh, no, this the, is the, the wishing candle. part. To make See, the wishing. He was yeah. able to take a candle off of the tree and give it the to Bailey. Tree. Yeah, so that's what. They have some substance and they exist and can sometimes be seen and heard and experienced throughout the circus Mm -hmm. and they have each other they have each other and they have the circus that's that's the important thing yeah it's beautiful it's so good it's so good and there is a love scene in this story it's real brief but it's, it's I forgot about it. I honestly didn't think it happened. <laughs> I didn't think they <laughs> they made love. I thought I was like I just didn't think it happened and I was like, "Oh, we're going to read this book and there's no there's no sex in it and we're going to have to mention that." And then it does happen. I was like, "Oh, I totally forgot about this." Oh no. That's a memorable scene. It's not even described. It's no, behind it, the doors. It's like it's one of those like it's and fade to black yes. scenes where, you know, the, things get started and then it's the next the morning. Yeah. But you know it's happened and Yeah. But even that scene is so intense. And it's so good. Well, I did on rereading. I remember why I didn't remember it. Mm-hmm. That's a weird sentence. I remember why I didn't remember <laughs> it. Um, because it takes place after Hirtisen's death, the night of mm-hmm. Hirtisen. And I just felt like that's an odd time to choose <laughs> to, Dude, to be intimate you, for the first like time. Emotional. And she loved, Celia loved Hirtisen. Oh, yeah. Decent, whatever. Hair decent. Yeah. She loved him. She, mm-hmm. He was one of her favorite people, and he's the clockmaker. And yeah. um, she was so emotional. And at that, I mean, like, they, and also at that time, they were trying to figure out what it is about this whole competition. It is like, had they found out yet that one of them, no, no, it was later that one of them had found out that her father tells her. Yeah, that only one of them is going to walk out of their life. But there's emotions and the opportunity. I understand. But to me, I think it, I was just so much overwhelmed because I was so upset about Hertie's and sure. dying. And I was just, 
just like, that is so intense. And then all of a sudden they're like, <laughs> she was too. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> but when you're in love, you're in love. And when you got a bone, you got a bone. I Sorry. just, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. I just I was like, oh, that's right. I didn't like it because I was like, no. Someone, she was still covered in his blood. She was. When she showed up at Marco's door. And I was like, mm-hmm. maybe not the best time for that. But I don't know. I was <laughs> And Marco still hadn't left Isabel yet, or had he? No. no well, he had. He did that night. Okay. That is why Hertison died. Because he left Isabel? Yes, because she stopped tempering. She tore apart her... That's... She had been holding them together. She like, had put this almost like a protective spell she was, on everybody. She was working a protective spell on the circus. The circus, to yeah. Keep, well, to protect the circus really from them. Yeah, yeah. So yes. that they couldn't hurt it too badly as they mm-hmm. battled. That's right. And so she had... And I think only Sukiko knows she was doing that. She never told Marco that she was tempering. And I don't think Celia knew either. And so when he went and told her that they were done um, and that he was in love with Celia and so he couldn't be with her anymore, she got upset and decided that her tempering spell wasn't working anyway. So she tore it apart. Right, right. And then as soon as she tore it apart, Hertison died. (laughs) Chandra threw a knife in his yeah. back. He was trying to kill And uh, There's a whole lot. Yeah, anyway. he was trying to kill Alexander because Alexander doesn't have a shadow. Yeah, because <laughs> he's a thousand million years old or whatever. And, yeah. and Hector was actually telling Chandra's to kill Alexander yes. because, I mean, this is now we're getting into such nitty this gritty This is detail. a lot more into And then we told you the whole story. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he tells her she stops tempering. Hertison dies. Celia runs out to Marco's and they sleep together for the first time. Yes. And only time Ooh. before they become well, immortal. Like, well, they're having I, ghost sex. I'm sure they are having ghost sex, but <laughs> I, the only time in the book. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, should we do our kiss and tell? Yes. Since we've already sort of, actually, that's pretty much all we've been talking about the is the relationship between thing. Marco and Isabel and Celia. So our kiss and tell for this episode ties in between the relationship that Marco has with Isabel and his feelings for Celia. So obviously he shouldn't have been stringing Isabel along. He should have been honest with her from the beginning, let go of that relationship as soon as he found out that he was starting to feel or had fallen in love with Celia. Because he'd known it almost from the beginning. He was attracted to her, but he knew. He knew that he was in love with her. He wasn't being honest with himself or with her. So our kiss and tell for this episode is... Have you ever fallen in love or started to fall for someone else while you were already in a relationship? One, two, three, go. No. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, I don't have a very specific like story that really relates to this. I think the closest thing is when I left for college, I was still in a relationship with my high school boyfriend. And, you know, we're like, yeah, we're going to do the long distance thing. And that's not really, I don't know. I don't know how often those actually work <laughs> out. And also being 18 and right. young is like, you know, silly to tie yourself out down yourself like that. for the so same, the I was, first time. Yeah. I was pretty sure, like, I wanted to give it a shot, and I thought it would made sense, and I was invested in that idea. But, of course, being at school many states away, I was definitely interested in other people, and I, nothing I would call, like, love or obvious, because I don't believe in love. <laughs> That's a different What's side. that word? I don't know. <laughs> but, and, like, nothing, I never started a relationship. We ended it before any of that. But still, it was just obvious. Like, I wasn't honest with myself over that and it felt more important and like I should you know stick with it and and then when we finally broke up I was really upset about the whole thing and then like a week later I was like oh 
I wasn't all that really <laughs> invested. <laughs> You're like, oh. I was like, never mind. That was fake. Much better. <laughs> I was like, per- I mean, not fake, but you know, like assuming this is an emotional event. You like I was trying. I was like, oh, I should be upset and cry yes. all the time. You were going through the emotions <laughs> that you felt like should this be the natural emotions. Yes, and really, yeah. in hindsight, uh, was not. I was like, <laughs> well, I think we'd run our course by that point. So <laughs> makes sense. So yeah. I mean so nothing as intense as this obviously. Sure. <laughs> Fifteen well, years no. of being in a relationship <laughs> with a person before I tell it the <laughs> Oh never mind. I'm in love with someone else. Well I have a secret Dan. Just kidding. Oh no. Bomb drop. Okay. No. Well my story is obviously way before Dan. The first time I got engaged, I was with this guy for God, I don't even know how long I was with him. But I did start to develop feelings for someone else and that was Julian. He'd graduated and moved to Oregon and we wrote letters back and forth after like a year or two or something after he'd been long gone. But I found his address one day and I was just like, Hey, I'm gonna write him a letter because I like snail mail. I wrote you letters. We wrote each other Yeah letters all the time and that was Judy did the same thing. Mail was great. It was snail mail was the best. Receiving it in the mailbox was always so like so much fun. It was so fun. But um so Julie and I not that we started a relationship, we've always been friends, but emotions started to develop with it. And while he was always had those feelings for me, I was always in a relationship and I was really in a relationship with the guy I was with. Mm-hmm. So obviously my feelings had grown for him as well. So I would say that this is like prime example. However, nothing had happened between me and Julia. I never expressed that I loved him or that I wanted to be Mm -hmm. with him while I was with the other guy. I broke it off with him first Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. I went and Julian and I got together. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was within the same day. (laughs) 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 That sounds... Terrible. No, at least you did. But it was was something that I needed to get done and off my chest. Well, yeah. Because I knew that, you know, you can't help the way you feel. So I knew that the feelings that I was feeling for Julian was what I wanted to feel. Mm. And what I'd been feeling for the other guy was something that was just like, it just wasn't going to work. It wasn't what I wanted it to be, Mm -hmm. what I dreamed it to be. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that was that's my story. Yeah, (laughs) not as it's not as bad as what Marco does. It is not (laughs) much more reasonable. Not not as bad. Yeah, yeah. So so I mean, especially because that you're talking young too at that point. Yes, it's same age. Same age, a little bit. I wasn't. This is when we were seniors. Yeah, that happened when you were freshman in high school. When we were freshmen in college. Not so the same, but within yeah. a year. So it's, uh, I do think 18, it's 19. definitely, <laughs> it can happen at any age. I understand For sure. that. But I think that it's easier, like when you're a teenager, just everything's so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> and emotional. So dramatic. And hormonal. So intense. <laughs> so dramatic. It's exactly it. It's so I was dramatic. like, oh my, my high school bro- boyfriend and I just <laughs> broke up and I'm a mess. And then like a week later, I was like, I'm not a mess. Oh it's yeah. So Turns bad. out I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Turns out I'm fine and I'm just a melodramatic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yep. So. so, yeah, that's uh, that's my story. Yeah. Here's something I want to talk about. Okay. And this sort of came out at the end of our last episode, and I can't tell you right now <laughs> if I kept it in or if I took it out <laughs> when I was editing. But we did start to have a, a discussion, and you stopped me right away, which is the best thing you ever did, <laughs> about <So. laughs> about whether or not this book should be a movie. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be a movie. 
you do not want it to no. be a movie. I think most people would side with you. Here's my caveat. Yes. If this were to be a movie, it would have to be verbatim the fucking book. <laughs> That's why it's never going to be a That's movie. That's why it's never going to be a movie. <laughs> the, movies are never like the book. No. And they're always, not always, but a lot of the times they're much worse than the book. It just takes the emotion out and the magic and everything out of what's been written in the book. But Absolutely. I love the visuals in this book so oh. much that I want to see it. I agree that visually it would be fan-fucking-tastic. Oh it would be so good. It would this be so magical good. circus of black. Black and white and gray and light and the play of shadows and dark and light. And oh, my God, it would be fucking amazing. It would be beautiful. It would be so disappointing, though, because it would not be this book. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be (laughs) this book. But can I don't know. You imagine all of the technology and how movies and the cinematics are advancing in our time mm-hmm. right now. They could make this movie or you they know, could make this series, but they have to do it exactly as I, it's You know written. who I think could do it is Amazon because oh. – and it would have to be a miniseries. It sure. could not be just a, it can a be movie because it needs to be longer than no, that. No, it'd be like a seven-hour movie. <laughs> yes. Because there's another book that I thought could never be adapted, and it's Good Omens by uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Mm -hmm. And I love that. That's like tandem best book ever with this book and also other books that I say are the best book ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely top five. So that book, this book, they're Mm -hmm. all top five books. And I never thought Good Omens could be adapted. I didn't want them to try it. Mm Because, again, when I love a book, I don't want them to mess with it because it's going to just be disappointing. Yeah. And... Then I heard that uh, Amazon was doing it and that they got David Tennant and Michael Yay! Sheen to fucking play Aziraphale and Crowley. And I, I was like, love Michael Sheen. okay, you won me over. Let's see how you do this. <laughs> and that fucking adaptation is amazing. Is it? I haven't seen it. It is almost verbatim. There are whole sections of the series that are the dialogue from that's the book awesome as it is written yeah and i'm like that's amazing that i mean is. they do a couple of things that they could do in in visually that they can't do in books sure. you know where they're like here's some backstory yeah. and stuff and that's fine it's great but it really was so well done and i i was very impressed because i was prepared to be very upset yeah and so i think if it's done like that and whoever did that book could probably do this one and you it has that to be amazon? done by amazon and people who have lots of money and want to just throw the money at this and project. you have to do it the way Aaron wrote it. That's the beauty of this. I really just want to see the cinematics. I think it would just be so... so see, and for see. that, I feel like it needs to be Tim Burton. Oh! <gasps> Because this is right up open. Tim Burton's fucking alley. Oh my god! All of his like oh carnival esque movies, you're right. black and white, like the yes. real extravagant mm-hmm. visuals, like uh, just Big Fish. Half the characters from Big Fish belong in the circus. <laughs> That's true. They do. <laughs> I mean, come on. That is true. They do. <laughs> from either that or when he did Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar mm-hmm. Children and mm-hmm. that adaptation. When mm-hmm. I, I have issues with those books. I'm not as big a fan. His adaptation is like, man, okay, whatever. But that's an adaptation problem and not but a visual the, problem. Yeah, the visual in the movies yeah. were great. Yeah. yeah. So I think if somebody else did the work and he got to just do, like, the design. Yeah. Because <laughs> sure. I love the way he designs things. And I think yeah. he could design the visuals of this perfectly. That would be so magical. Yeah. So I, there, there I, that's yeah. what needs to happen. Because otherwise, don't do it. Yeah. No, no, no. No I, one touch I it. I agree with you on that. If you're not going to fucking do <laughs> the movies or the show as the actual written book and use the book as a script, then don't fucking do it. I don't want to see it. You're (laughs) going to ruin it it. and I will be mad at you, (laughs) Amazon. So that, I just, I want to see it, but I want to see it 
the way it's written. Yeah. That's my caveat. Yeah. All I right? agree. It needs, just, you know, if it's going to be done, look. it needs to be done right. Exactly. Otherwise, don't bother. Don't, don't upset do me. I'll just revisit this book a million times. But I'm finding that more and more things that are developed for either TV or, or those uh, streaming services are being done, I think, better. I think more people are complaining about how not like the book it is. A lot of people, I think m- most people would generally like the book versus the show mm-hmm. or the, the movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Are you specifically like re- referencing Game of Thrones? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, because I read those and I watched those and they couldn't do it the way that the book was written. No. It would just be just books are pornography. <laughs> like it's books just like nonsense. there's a lot of <laughs> underage stuff happening there. We can't do that. But like Harry Potter. It's a big one. I think the last books, the emotion was really taken out of it. Dumbledore became this, like, just mean dude. Well, that was just... They were handed a lot of difficult things. Sure. One, having your Dumbledore actor die mid <laughs> that is movies. Ha- he can't be replaced because the next actor is not going to want to just play a version of Richard Harris. He should have. Well, Richard Harris was our Dumbledore. I know, but Michael Gammon didn't want to play well, Richard Harris. Then he could have kicked own. him off and done something else. And then I do think <laughs> it also suffered from a constant change of director. Sure. Um, I agree with having that. Having Chris Columbus for the first two, mm-hmm. they were very cinematically the same. It, mm-hmm. it felt very well. And then the third takes this fucking right turn while Alphonse Curion. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's not the same fucking place. No. Those kids aren't going to the school in the same <laughs> world. <laughs> I don't know what it. world this is, Where but we? it's crazy. It just, I think. And the then they get back and. Yeah. Well, and they just, and they took the emotions out of everything. They took Hagrid out of the, a lot of the, the books and he was a big part of it. The and books were huge. You they had were. to whittle I, crap down. I understand that. But why take the love out of it? This book was based on love. Those books. And they took. <sighs> Took it out. They took the love out. I don't care what anybody says. Well, I they don't took know. it out. I think, for, <laughs> especially for the end, I think they did okay. I really do think the movies are still fine for those. I books. love the movies. I love them and I love the books, but they're, they're I two different things. I literally no longer know if something occurred in the movie or the book. <laughs> I've read them too many times and watched the movies too many times that I've now incorporated all of the missing pieces from the book visually into the to movies. I so think, I can't tell you what's missing anymore. I think that's the goal. And I'm just like, I don't know. It might all be everything. It just it happened all the same and not. I mean, you know, yeah. obviously I would argue with splitting the last book into two movies. That's Ugh. dumb and I hate when they do that. That's but nobody listens to me because they're just a money-grabbing <laughs> Warner Brothers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but no, I, I, what I was saying is the more recently big and, and challenging books are being developed into series yes. on Netflix or mm-hmm. on the page, uh, like the HBO, the, uh, yeah. the Sundance, no, not Sundance, whatever, Showtime or, or uh, Stars yes. um, are doing them or the Amazon Netflix. Netflix. Stuff. And Amazon, they're doing, yeah. I think, a lot better with those adaptations mm-hmm. than books. It's, movies can do. It's probably because they could split it out into They have episodes. infinite time almost yeah, to so. do what they want. Because like another one, another Neil Gaiman that I love, uh, American Gods, again, I was like, don't add don't adapt that. It's not adaptable. I never read that one. Oh, but so I've seen good. parts of the show. But yeah. the show is amazing. And it is really different from the book. Like, they're taking it a new and... Really? Yes. They're doing a whole... Because Neil's on the project. And he's like, if I had my way, this book would have been, like, three times as long. So let's oh. do it in the show. <laughs> and you're just like, please. But at least it's coming from the horse's mouth and mm-hmm. not some other no. writer. Oh, yeah. You no. know? And that's why And that's why they're... I yeah. think they're great. I've had other people argue with me because it isn't verbatim 
verbatim the book. Sure. And I'm like, but it's the book in essence. Like yes. it, it's, it's it's how the book it, and then expanded. How he'd wanted it, it to be. It fits exactly with what was in the book. Mm-hmm. They're just doing some more. Yeah. But people don't like, <laughs> I don't know, people just like to be difficult. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, let's just say that if this ever becomes cinematic, it's just got to be yeah. page by page by page because it's just too beautiful. Shot for shot, the book. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It just has to work. Like, It'd down- be like we'd be bored. We'd be like, what is this <laughs> <nonsense>? <laughs> Like, fucking have Jim Dale narrate the, the show. Like, oh, 100%. That he needs be, to be the interstitial he, narrator. Yes, yes. Where they, where he, yeah, that's, I don't Like, I obviously, they I don't have know the to words, do their, you know. their dialogue, but, yeah. but then, like, mm-hmm. those pieces, he needs to write, right, like, the written pieces that kind of tie the story yes. together. Yes. Anyway, so we should, I don't know. Is there any doubt what our rating for this book is? Do we even need to look our ratings up? <laughs> no. We don't. I found God. <laughs> this book is so good. I cannot tell you how many times I've read it. I, I mean, don't have a count. I, I now own it as a physical book, as an ebook, and, and an audio as an audio book. Because I, yeah. I needed all possible <laughs> yeah. options for reading whenever I felt like yeah. it at any place in time. Yeah, I have your audio book, and I literally just purchased my own paperback book. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's so good. It's a beautiful book. So yeah, this is a 10. This book's a 10. It's perfect. Don't change a thing. No, no. (laughs) Everyone read it. It is my favorite book that I have ever read. I think I, at some point, had like gone between this, this, that book and this book. But I really, I really do believe that this is my ultimate number one favorite book Mm -hmm. ever. It's it's right up there. I really mm-hmm. I I've now named the three that are well, my top three, and I you've can't. read way more books than I have. <laughs> <laughs> so. Like between the three of them, I don't think I could sit down and pick sure just one. But yeah, the yeah. It's, it's in the top three. It's hanging yeah. out there with Good Omens and American God. So awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, so for our fun fuck fact, Kalina is oh. going to tell you about her next <laughs> book, Aaron Morgenstern's uh-huh. next book. Sure, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I, I think, well, I kind of already mentioned it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's called The Starless Sea, and it is expected release <laughs> November 5th. 2019, which this episode comes out after that. So hopefully it came out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Hopefully we recorded ti- it early. <laughs> we were trying to make the timing of the releases come together. So hopefully yeah. we planned that well. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, this is like the week after yeah. it came out, hopefully, and we'll be in the middle of reading it yeah. <laughs> when you listen to this episode. Yes. So, you know, again, the books aren't related. Right. So there's no need to read if you haven't read The Night Circus first. It's a, there's no need to read it first. The books are completely unrelated. We don't have, I mean, I can read you the, like, the little summary if you think I should. Sure. Okay. Do it, because even I don't know what it's about. Okay. So this is a timeless love story set in a secret underground world, a place of pirates, painters, lovers, liars, and ships that sail upon a starless sea. That's all I'm going to read. I think the rest of it is Oh, that just sounds so, so good. good. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much. That. No, that's good. But like just, and she, she wrote something recently we read, I think it was on Goodreads, where she kind of was making a comment, like in anticipation of the book coming up, that she starts from places. places. That's how how she builds her book. Mm-hmm. She doesn't start with like characters or, no. or like uh, themes or, or you know plot. Yep. She develops a place for so obvious, and that is real obvious mm-hmm. in a, a night circus oh, that yeah. that circus was a full formed idea in her brain before yep. she 
went anywhere else because yeah. it is the whole like it is the encompassing piece of the story so whatever a starless sea is we'll find out and that's where she built the next book on so that's i'm so awesome. excited Yay! all right what are we reading next so for our next book join us for the concubine and her vampires by julie morgan we're gonna get right back into our thing oh yeah full, <laughs> full dirty book <laughs> yeah full dirty book and we heard this one's real good so we're excited we read julie morgan a couple of episodes ago so we're excited to get back into like another one of her books. many episodes ago I yeah think, the like last time we went to shameless and we're gonna go again so yeah so come <laughs> back for that episode um you know and read along with us if you're interested and thanks for listening we appreciate it we would love if you guys are interested and you like the podcast if you go on itunes and rate and review us that would be so amazing Mm -hmm. um we don't have very many rates and reviews but that's okay (laughs) we're gonna keep plugging along anyway but apparently that just really matters for ratings yeah like how you get onto the lists and stuff so that would be super great if anybody wanted to do that we love you but in the meantime, if you want to reach out or want to talk to us at all, you can find us on all the social media. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are Shh Dirty Books, and that's Shh with three H's. Or you can email us at shdirtybooks at gmail.com. Shdirtybooks. That's our handle everywhere. That's our handle. And you can go to our website at shdirtybooks.com, and you can find us on any podcast platform, or most of them, most of the podcast None platforms. None of the paid ones. None of the paid <laughs> ones. SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. Please go to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. And I'm Saylette. And I'm Kalina. And Jack and Judy are here. Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right, guys. We're out. Mike. That works. Yeah, you've been listening to Reading Dirty Books with Galena and Saylette. Be sure to tune into the next episode. Some more of your dirty books read to you. And if you're listening on a format that allows you to give a rating, please do that for them. We'd like to thank Jim Townsend for that sexy and wonderful introduction.